Hey everyone, today's show is part one of a two-part series where I'm discussing root causes to employee relations issues and internal investigations, and that is bad and incompetent managers. This is a must-listen episode for those of you who are continually dealing with a lot of employee complaints because of managers. Welcome to the HR Investigations Podcast, exploring the issues, challenges, strategies, and solutions. Sponsored by RPCHR and hosted by Natalie Ivey, an HR consultant, licensed PI, and author of the best-selling book, How to Conduct Internal Investigations, a Practical Guide for Human Resource Professionals. And now, here's Natalie. Hey everyone, welcome to today's show. In today's show, I'm gonna focus on an issue that many organizations are facing, and particularly smaller organizations, and that is lack of effective management team training, and specifically a lack of management training on what I call the do's and don'ts. And why is this important? Well, in my experience in working in HR, as long as I've been around and uh, working as a PI and helping companies investigate a lot of employee misconduct, what's the common denominator? A lot of times, it's because managers just simply didn't realize that they were saying and doing things that stepped on legal landmines. And also, a lot of issues are not necessarily around uh, legal landmine, but managers that just simply haven't developed the right leadership skills to know how to properly supervise employees. And these are usually around performance issues. Now, out in the HR community, I'm known for saying this, the best investigation is the one that you don't have to do. And the reason that I say that phrase over and over again is because there is so much truth in it. HR investigations are very much a reactionary process to an internal problem, such as an employee lodging a complaint of harassment or discrimination against their supervisor. So the best course of action is obviously to not have the internal problem in the first place. So why is there this lack of management training, and especially on teaching managers the important do's and don'ts that we all in work in HR and employee relations understand? This is a subject that I'm really pretty passionate about because um, for those of you who don't know me, I started out my career not in HR. I started out in operations management and in the travel industry. I worked for a number of years at the Atlanta Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, and I supervised employees who were in uh, various collective bargaining units, uh, Teamsters uh, Labor Union, and uh, I worked in the car rental business. So back then, one of the first things my boss did when I got promoted was he enrolled me in the management development program that the company offered. Now, mind you, it's a large global company, and uh, certainly they have uh, the resources and learning and development to provide that. But nevertheless, my boss felt that that was important. So I attended weekly sessions a few hours at a time, and they were delivered by a very competent trainer. She had the credibility to deliver the training uh, and to a pretty rough and tumble group of operations managers that are used to working outside in sort of austere conditions. And she herself had worked for many years in that environment before becoming a corporate trainer. So she very much had the credibility. Now, back then, we certainly didn't have the FMLA, so that wasn't enacted until 93 and you know some of the more complex uh, statutes, but uh, we certainly had the Civil Rights Act, we had the ADA, and we had other equal employment opportunity laws as well as also the National Labor Relations Act to comply with. My vantage point as a consultant in especially today's environment is what I call a, a driving results and sort of op operations management view coupled with uh, managing risk and HR consultant view. In other words, my background early on in managing a very culturally diverse employee population and serving the general public and the fast-paced travel industry 
And in a 24-7 union shop environment, it required that I come up, you know, pretty quickly up my learning curve as a leader. Now, thankfully, I had some great mentors who helped me. And one mentor, uh, his name was Larry. He was a, a fantastic labor attorney that I worked with who really taught me a great deal about the legal do's and don'ts, and especially working with the unionized workforce. At the time, I supervised a staff that was almost 100% male and very diverse, um, you know, with employees who were of very um, different races and national origins. And also the management team that I worked on was 80% male. So I was very much in the minority as a female there from an employee perspective as well as management perspective. So how does this tie in with lack of management training today? Well, what I see out here as an HR consultant and PI are HR investigations that really do have root causes of just plain bad management. All right, so what does that really look like? What is bad management? Well, in uh, one of the previous episodes on my podcast, I had an attorney uh, who's a dear dear friend of mine. Her name is Ann Kiernan of Kiernan Law in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And uh, she was on the show when she talked about the negative employer impacts from bad management. And she even discussed one case involving sexual harassment and retaliation that cost an employer a quarter of a million dollars. Well, now, not every case is going to be a six or a seven-figure case, but you know, when you tally up the negative impacts from an untrained or poorly trained management team, here are some of the things that show up in the business that are really the negative impacts of poor training. Well, employee turnover, uh, certainly people don't leave companies, they leave their managers. All right Now, some of them today, they'll quit and they'll say, yeah, it's for more money. But let me tell you, when you really peel back the layers on the onion, it's supervision uh, or lack thereof. They get frustrated that managers are not holding others accountable. They get frustrated if managers uh, kind of scream or bark at them when they make mistakes. In many cases, the employees are trying to fulfill what the manager wanted, but the manager's direction was clear as mud. And then, you know, there's just a, a continual amount of friction. They also get tired of uh, others who aren't held accountable, like slackers that get paid basically the same amount of money they get paid, but managers aren't handling it. So there are a lot of things that really contribute to employee turnover that are a whole lot more than just raw compensation. And so also unscheduled absenteeism and higher usage of intermittent FMLA. Right? Um, that causes a lot of impacts to service delivery, increases labor costs. You have to pay overtime to fill holes in work schedules. And then also when you've got bad management, you see an increase in employee complaints of favoritism, bullying, harassment, discrimination. And as I said earlier, these complaints are really the result of behaviors that are going on in the organization that shouldn't be happening. You also could have employees who lodge these complaints by using just the buzzwords and they're making what's called a bad faith complaint. So they're kind of weaponizing the investigative process, maybe to try to get even with a manager they don't like. Of course, that happens too. Regardless, without though good management training to teach the supervisors just general supervision 101 kind of things like giving clear direction, being able to document and keep track of what they've delegated to individual employees, like different tasks or assignments, how to provide feedback, how to sit down and have a difficult discussion with an employee, um, how to handle the hygiene issue with an employee, how to uh, groom an employee for a supervisory role, like how do you develop employees? How do you delegate? How do you manage conflict with the team? You see, all of those are competencies of working in a leadership role. And there are so many supervision programs out there that don't do any of that. And then also, you know, the other problem is a lot of supervisors don't get the do's and the don'ts. In other words, they do not understand the framework of the labor and employment laws. 
and they're out there saying and doing things and in some cases telling what they think are funny jokes or you know they they think it's just good-natured ribbing or joshing and joking around but then they're crossing lines and offending people and then before you know it uh you are launching an investigation right so they just clearly don't understand the the framework of the rules of engagement and supervising today and they don't get the do's and the don'ts so they're making mistakes every day and when they're doing that they're creating a lot of risk for the business so why aren't more organizations doing management training well in my experience it's a few things the first one is senior executives and business owners they often say well we don't need management training well i've learned over the years that's really code phrase for we really don't think it's worth the investment so in other words they don't want to spend the money well investing in something like management training it's it's very different in that it's designed to educate leaders really on how to better supervise the employees in other words professional development training in the form of increased knowledge and day-to-day -day leadership skills but the problem is a lot of executives who hold the purse strings they can't sort of touch or feel what that investment has really bought them you know if you take 35 grand and you buy a new company truck sure they can see that shiny red truck out there and they know what the 35k bought them but training is a lot more intangible however if you were to ask an executive or a business owner why they make an investment in safety training of course they get why they need to make that investment don't they because they often have the experience of knowing the correlation between an unsafe work environment and then runaway costs like lost work days higher injury rates and expense higher workers comp insurance premiums of course so the safety training they sort of get that investment however convincing them of the need for investing in management training is sort of like trying to convince a harley motorcycle rider why wearing a helmet and protective gear is good risk management in case you get in an accident right they're generally willing to take the risk of laying their bike down however you know a funny thing happens after a motorcycle rider is at an accident and case in point a dear friend of ours was riding his harley harley fat boy out in phoenix on the black canyon freeway number of years ago without a helmet and no protective gear had a really really bad wreck what do you think he did after the accident he started wearing helmet and protective gear mm -hmm. because he really felt the risk didn't he to give some perspective on this kind of risk management example i want to share some wisdom from ceo that i had the real privilege of working with and his organization is a client of mine his name is John, and he runs a pressure pumping business out in West Texas. So if you're not familiar with that, they do fr hydraulic fracturing or what's called fracking. You know, John um, brought me out to West Texas to deliver a management training program for a team of supervisors who all work in austere conditions on fracking sites. So these are all guys. They work in a very outdoor environment. They work, work 12 hours on in what are called hitches, 12 on, 12 off. Pretty rough and tumble group of folks. I mean, not a single, not a single woman was in the room except for the HR director. All right. So as these guys made their way into the training room, uh, you know, a lot of grumbling and you could tell they were begrudgingly coming to this training, carrying hard hats, got worn jeans and company logo shirts on and scuffed steel toed boots. And you can kind of sense, you know, they were not thrilled about being there. So John uh, stands at the front of the room to kick off the training. He acknowledged their grumbling and said, I know a bunch of you really think that this is just a waste of time and you have no idea why I'm investing in this and why you know you are here and he said so uh, let me explain why it is that I brought Ms. Ivy all the way out here from Florida to West Texas for this training he then really said to a few of the senior employees those who had really been with the company for quite a long time some of them decades he said all right so those of you who have been around a while how long have some of you known me? And so a few of them were like, well, 25 years. And one guy was like, 30 years, John. He's like, yeah, so a long time. 
And he said, so you all have known, I've worked in what he calls the oil patch, uh, which is like the Permian Basin and, and working out in West Texas for over 30 years. And he said, so those of you who are, are kind of old timers like me, as he said, well, back then, you know, what was the PPE like back then? Meaning personal protective equipment. What were we wearing back then? And they were like, they kind of laughed and pretty much most of them were like, oh, nothing. Like, you know, it's kind of, you know, the, the old days. And uh, he said, yeah, so we didn't wear hard hats all the time, did we? Or nah, no safety glasses, nah. He said, well, what do we do now? And then they kind of almost snapped to attention this group. And he was like, well, yeah, we wear PPE and hard hats. And he said, um, hmm, okay, so why? And he asked the group and they said, well, because of injuries, you know, lost work time and cost, you know, another guy said, well, people can lose their life. And he said, yeah, we do that now because we know better, don't we? And they all agreed. And he said, we've learned our lessons about risk. And he said, we've had to change the way we do things, haven't we, as it relates to safety and risk. And he said, so we've learned that we have to adapt to different technology because it's safer. We've had to change our PPE to make it safer. And he said, and overall, we've done a much better job of risk management because we know better. He said, that's exactly why I brought Ms. Ivy out here for this training. He said, she's here because she's going to help us all understand how things have changed regarding managing employees and why we need to upgrade our management team and our skills. So we're keeping pace with how things are changing. So she's gonna help us get better at how we supervise our employees and she's gonna help us understand how to do a much better job in risk management in the day-to-day and how we're supervising and interacting with our employees. He said so, and I love this part. He said, I expect you all to be respectful, pay attention, I want you to take notes, I want you to listen, I want you to ask questions, and I expect that you're gonna apply what you've learned from this training immediately in your jobs because immediately I want us to be implementing better risk management strategies and how we supervise our people and run our business. Boy, could you see the paradigm shift in that room? I mean, the body language changed. I saw some eyebrows raised, like he was serious. And um, there definitely was a different vibe in the room. And I will say it took about you know, 20, 30 minutes for some of them who were still sitting there with crossed arms and kind of not real happy about being there. But after we got rolling for about 30 minutes into the program, they realized that this is a very different type of program than what they were expecting. All right. So I wish I could clone John. I got to tell you, he is probably one of my favorite CEOs. So, and by that, by the way, is an example of how you kick off a training program. The senior leader has got to explain the clear direction of what we're doing here, why, what's the benefit to the business, what are you going to learn, and also setting expectations for conduct. Got to love him. All right, so the analogy here is that a lot of senior executives, uh, other than John, right, are a lot like the motorcycle riders who are pretty darn big risk takers. However, when the proverbial accident happens to an employer like an EEOC charge that's got to get settled for a chunk of money or an expensive lawsuit or maybe a couple of the top employees that are good ones really quit because they're working for a really bad manager, okay, well, suddenly these executives are going to look to HR to do something, right? Okay, that's like the equivalent of laying the bike down in an accident without a helmet. You know, the injuries are going to be much greater. But then there's also that feeling, oh, man, I really should have worn the helmet. I should have had my jacket on. It wouldn't have been as bad. See, so executives will typically have that revelation, just like a motorcycle rider like my friend John, you know, after you've had to experience the painful situation, right? And, you know, that's the part where I come in. I really try as an HR consultant to help business owners and executives not to have to feel the pain of laying the bike down. Like, I don't want you to have to have the, the road rash at the expense of a lawsuit, right? I, you know, let's, let's get this right 
before we go down that road. Being proactive, like John, he looked at training like a risk management strategy, just like safety management. Now, if you listen to what attorneys will say, you know, attorneys who were hired to defend an organization in a case where uh, maybe they are experiencing some expensive litigation, what do attorneys usually say? You know, you really, really need to train your managers. This could have been avoided had you trained your managers. And that echoes exactly what Anne said in one of my previous podcast episodes, right? A lot of times they'll then say, oh yeah, wow, okay, let's get with HR. And then they immediately want to move into that reactionary mode of, oh, let's put some training in. Well, okay. And knee-jerk reaction. Well, you also better do a really good job of figuring out what type of program you're going to put in because just trying to go get an off-the-shelf, quote, management program is not going to be the way to do it. And in my next podcast episode in part two, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about what should that type of program actually look like. Because here's the reality, folks. We've come out of a pandemic, and I'm also seeing out of desperation, some businesses are doing what I call panic promotions. You've just dealt with turnover, and employees are being moved up into supervisory roles. They have had zero training, zero. They may be very good at turning a wrench and working as a tech, but suddenly now they have to be the supervisor over another group of techs. You know, just by the stroke of midnight, they just did not acquire the the tools and resources, skills, knowledge to know how to do that, and that's setting them up for failure. So we've got to do at least some very basic kind of supervision 101 and teach them, you know, how this needs to work every day. It's kind of like if you were to bring somebody onto a professional football team that's from a foreign country and say, go play, but you haven't taught them the US rules. That's exactly what we're doing to a lot of our supervisors. It's horrible. And you're in many cases setting them up for a great deal of anxiety and stress. And you're also creating unnecessary risk for your business. In implementing good management training, employers can really eliminate a lot of those negative impacts I talked about earlier, like excessive turnover, employees calling in sick all the time, and creating unscheduled absenteeism. Of course, that drives up labor costs, impacts service delivery. But a good management training program that you know effectively teaches supervisors, really, what is your role of working as a leader? What is your job in terms of accomplishing results through this team of the, the people who report directly to you? How do you achieve those results through a team? And also the do's and don'ts, in other words, like the rules of how the game is played today, meaning the rules of the employment laws. You know, they have to have at least some basic understanding of things that are okay to do and not okay to do. Like a simple example is uh, there are many supervisors who think that if an employee um, didn't, if an employee worked overtime without authorization, they could just go take that off their time card. That is illegal. It's called a violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act. So that's one simple example of one of the don'ts that they just don't know. Um, and there are a myriad of other things that I could get into here that I've dealt with personally where managers just make a lot of missteps purely out of ignorance. So this can greatly minimize the risk of regulatory fines, um, you know, EEOC charges at the very least, uh, like Department of Labor investigations into wage and hour stuff, and then of course expensive lawsuits, you know, like Anne was discussing in one of my previous episodes. All right, so if you are looking for some solutions, um, then definitely stay tuned for part two of my next podcast episode. And then certainly you can always reach out to me. You know where to find me. You can find me, Natalie, at rpchr.com, or you can go to the contact page at rpchr.com or my other site, which is hr-investigations.com. All right, until next time, be good, everybody. See ya. 
Thanks for joining us today on the HR Investigations Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share the show with any colleagues who will benefit from our strategies and solutions. For free bonus resources, simply visit hr-investigations.com. And remember, if you'd like some help with improving your investigative skills, or if your organization is in need of an external investigator to help with the case, please get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.